0: Welcome to Purdue Commercial AgCast, the Purdue University Center for Commercial Agriculture's podcast featuring farm management news and information. I'm your host, Jim Mintert, director of the Purdue Center for Commercial Agriculture, and joining me today is Michael Langemeyer, professor of ag economics here at Purdue. We're gonna review the results from the March Purdue University CME Group Ag Economy Barometer Survey of farmers from across the nation. Each month, we survey 400 farmers across the U.S. to learn more about their perspective on the ag economy. This month's Ag Barometer Survey was conducted from the 14th through the 18th of March. And Michael, the Ag Economy Barometer declined again. We were at 125 a month ago. Now we're at 113, so a 12 point drop. Are you surprised given what's happened over the last few weeks? Yes
1: and no. I mean, from one from one standpoint, 2022 looks like it's going to be a pretty good year from a profit standpoint. Uh, but I but I think what's what's overriding concern here is is the uncertainty. Uh, the Russia invading Ukraine added another layer of uncertainty with respect to uh, commodity prices. And 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 uh, and, and when you have
0: a, a more uncertainty, you usually have a drop in the ag economy barometer. Yeah, it's an interesting point because we did create a tremendous amount of uncertainty, especially with respect to input cost. And we'll talk more about that in a a little bit. But uh, the flip side was, you know, there was a positive impact on commodity prices, especially if you think about corn, soybeans and wheat. And clearly, uh, producers are way more concerned about what's going on with production cost and how that's going to impact their operation. than they are looking at the positive impact of the increase in commodity prices. Um, you know, that was reflected again, I think, if you look at the index of current conditions and the index of future expectations, they were both down. Um, so, you know, it wasn't like people were more worried about the current situation and maybe more optimistic about the future. They were negative, uh, more negative this month on both of those. Um, and I think, again, I, th- I think you're right about the, the concerns about the uh, uncertainty. And when you talk to producers, I and mean, some of them bring up the fact, you know,
1: bring up the question, what's going to happen to input costs past 22? We know, you know, obviously input costs are up substantially in 22. Are they going to come down in 23 and 24? I'm not too sure they will. And I think that's exactly what producers are thinking.
0: Yeah, I, that's a good way to put it. I think, I think there's more concern about the fact that we've got elevated production costs. And historically, when production costs go up, they tend to be sticky. It's, it's not that they can't come down. We do have ed, evidence that they can come down, but they tend to come down slowly and commodity prices could change much more quickly and i think people are concerned about looking out into the future whether or not we could get into a serious cost price squeeze and the
1: general inflation is not helping matters any you know that's something that we haven't seen for quite some time it's been a long time since we've seen general inflation as high as it is uh, today and that certainly has some impact
0: on some very important production costs such as wages yeah that's that's a good point and that relate that availability of labor which people yes. have been telling us about um, so the Farm Financial Performance Index, I would argue, was essentially flat. It, it, technically, it improved a little bit. It was a reading of 87. The last two months, it's been at 83. I think probably the more relevant comparison is maybe to go back to where it was in December. December, it was 113. And just so our listeners are, are clear on what's going on here, we changed the question as we turned the corner into the new year. And in, in December, people were f- focusing on their financial performance in 2021 versus 2020. In January, the question now focuses on financial performance in 2022 versus 2021. And what people are telling us, I think consistently now, is they expect their financial performance on their farming operation to be significantly worse in 2022 than it was in 2021. Michael, you've looked a lot at a simulated corn and soybean operation here in Indiana with respect to their projected financial outcome. How does that stack up with your projection? Well, the recent increases in corn
1: prices, you know, factoring that in after the after the prospective plantings uh, report, uh, I, actually the 22 earnings don't look that much different than the 21 earnings. They're still a little bit below, but it's not much different. Certainly 22 looks a lot better than anything we saw uh, from 2014 to 2020.
0: Yeah, so I think that's really interesting because I've watched your projections month by month and going back to last fall, Uh, At one point, we did have projections for 2022 that were well below 2021. I think the last update I saw of yours, Michael, you were still a little bit below 2021, but one of the best years ever other than that right definitely and, and
1: uh, you know and, and essentially what's happening is is the input cost situation really hasn't changed that much in the last three months but the prices have I mean after the first of the year soybean prices went up they, they've shown some weakness lately but they certainly went up earlier earlier in, in uh, this year and corn prices since uh, since the Ukraine conflict have, have really uh, went up and so that just improves the earnings
0: yeah good point. Uh, the Farm Capital Investment Index, uh, this is a broken record. I mean, it's it's down again. It's at 36. Uh, I believe that's either record low or within one point of the record low on that Farm Capital Investment Index. So uh, people are really negative on, on the Farm Capital Investment Index. And, you know, what they're really telling us kind of behind the scenes, Michael, is um, I'm going to hold back on my purchases of things like farm machinery, uh farm buildings, grain bins, but a lot of it is still the supply chain issues. I think in this month's survey, and this has been true month after month now, over 40% of the people in the survey are telling us that their investment plans are being impacted by the fact that uh, farm machinery inventories are so tight. And, you know, I think that's consistent with what the manufacturers are telling us. They're telling us that they're basically sold out on certainly many of the major items uh, here for 2022. When I talk to people, uh, major manufacturers, if you want to buy a tractor, for example, or a combine, you're looking at delivery in 2023, not 2022. And that is almost unheard of, right? Yes. It's
1: a very odd situation, <laughs> to be quite frank, because you have all this optimism with regard to buying land, but you have this pessimism regarding uh, regarding equipment and,
0: and grain bins. And so I think you're right. It, it, it has to be related to the supply chain issue. And, and the other factor which we didn't mention is the fact that from a, whether or not people think it's a good time to make an investment is the idea that on most of these items, you're going to be paying list price or in some cases above list price. Yes, that's a very good point. And, and, and you, you factor in the use price
1: uh, The increases in use prices uh, for equipment, autos, trucks. <laughs>
0: it's rather alarming. Yeah. And so I think from that standpoint, people are also saying this isn't a great time to make an investment. At the same time, some of those people might be step, stepping in line trying to make that investment, but they don't think it's a great time because, gee, I can't get a discount. Uh, I'm going to pay list price or, or possibly above list price, or I'm going to pay for a used item, I'm going to pay what would have been a new price of several years ago. So I think that's, that's coming back into it. Um, we've been asking for a while now uh, a question that says, you know, looking ahead to next year, what are your biggest concerns for your farming operation? Once again, higher input costs came in as the number one choice. Forty-one percent of the people in the survey chose that as their as their number one concern. Uh, interestingly, availability of inputs, nineteen percent, that was number two, tied with lower crop and or livestock prices, also at nineteen percent. So again, this uh, this concern about inputs, and not just prices. That question says availability, and you know we we don't have a history here i can't say that we've been asking this question for the last 7 years because we haven't done that but if we had asked that in prior years how many people would have responded they were concerned about availability of input it'd
1: been almost zero
0: yeah that's my guess as well and and I think this I think this
1: this availability of input question is is probably impacting this corn versus soybean decision. We were talking about this before we were recording the podcast here. It's probably uh, you know uh, pushing some people away from corn uh, in some cases.
0: Yeah, and as we think we're going to have a separate podcast that talks a little bit about the planning intentions report and and reviews some of that information. But if you think about whether or not we're going to see a change in acreage actual planted acreage relative to the planting intentions, one of the things that's going to hinder a change there is the fact that folks that had not planned to plant corn, even if they look at the response of the marketplace following the report, are going to say, I haven't purchased the fertilizer, I haven't purchased the inputs to put corn in the ground this year, and that could hold them back from making a switch from soybeans to corn, right? That's one of the factors that might cause that Actual plantings to actually match up surprisingly well, perhaps, with the planting intention. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think I think that's going to be an important factor. So we had an opportunity this time, Michael, to ask people directly what impact they expect to see on U.S. agriculture as a result of the war in Ukraine. And I don't. We didn't really know what to expect here, right? So we gave them several choices: crop prices, livestock prices input prices and for our listeners what do you think came in number one gee input prices overwhelmingly came in number number one at 63 percent chose input prices and only 33 percent chose crop prices and this is an environment when we're seeing you know wild gyrations in both corns or in corn soybeans and wheat prices uh and beyond that truthfully more than just those three but uh that I think that alone speaks to the concern people have about input prices and input availability. We didn't actually put input availability on, as a choice for this one.
1: Yeah, this one really surprised me. I, I I kind of thought they would put input, you know, some people would put input prices, but I thought crop prices would be would be higher, uh, in in terms of in terms of their their choice because, as you said, uh, particularly for corn, uh, this has been very positive for corn prices.
0: Yeah, and that I. It's just hard to uh, overstate how much this uncertainty about input availability and input prices is really having on people's decision making and and truthfully, their sentiment, their attitude about what's going on. Um, Kind of a follow up question, which is uh, one that we've been using, you know, uh, for really, I think for the life of the survey is which of the following risk would you say is the most critical to your operation over the next 12 months? And the most typical response is to get a fairly strong response with respect to marketing. Three choices here, marketing, financial, and production. This month, production actually was higher than marketing. And I didn't go back and review all the individual months, Michael, but uh, that's very rare to have production risk Ranked ahead of marketing risk.
1: Yes, I, th- I think we saw uh, we've seen this recently, but but yes, historically before before the the, 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 the current uh, current uh, season, uh, marketing is usually ranked quite a bit higher than production. In fact, usually finance is higher than production, depending on the year.
0: Yeah. So again, I think when people are saying production, uh, well, yeah, it could be the usual with respect to output risk from because of weather, for example. But in this environment, I think it also reflects the fact that they're worried about Input availability and input prices, and how that's going to impact their and, and their ability
1: to produce a trend yield. I think that that always enters their mind in a situation like we've got now, where input prices are high and input availability is is a problem. Am I am I going to be able to hit that trend yield in a good weather year?
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. So uh, we we've been following up for uh, folks that have had some difficulty or say they've had some difficulty with respect to purchasing crop inputs for the 2022 crop. And I think this month, there was roughly 27% of the people in the survey said that they had had some difficulty with at least one uh, one aspect of their inputs needed for the 2022 crop. And the follow-up question that's been going to the folks that say they've had some difficulty is, well, you know, what, what items have we had trouble with? And it continues to be across the board. They're still saying herbicides, insecticides, fertilizer, farm machinery parts, uh, you know, there's a little bit of an increase Fertili- or excuse me, herbicides tends to be number one here recently, uh, but not much of a difference between that and fertilizer. I think herbicides, 31 percent chose that. Twenty nine percent chose fertilizer. Farm machinery parts was at 25 percent. The one that's down a little bit was insecticide. That could be because not everybody buys insecticide, I suppose. But uh, across the board, there's an issue here with respect to input availability. People are concerned about that. Um, the farmland issue is kind of interesting, Michael. So we've been asking every month about people's f- short-run uh, farmland value expectations. That's a 12-month-ahead question. And then we asked the long-term question, which is a five-year-ahead question. This month, the short-term farmland value expectations were essentially flat, uh, virtually no change, that index. It's below where it was last fall, but if you look at the history of that index, still a relatively strong number, the index value is 145. Um, If you go back prior to 2021, 145 was a very positive number, right? So, but we have come back from where we were last fall, we were in the 157 range, I think as recently as October. So it is weaker there. If you look at the long-term index, it came in this month at 146, that's down from 154 and you know, there's two ways of looking at this, Michael. I mean, one way is to say, well, compared to a longer-term history, these are still pretty positive numbers, and that's true, pretty, pretty positive index values. The other way is to say, well, and, and we did a little a new computation this month. We looked at a moving average of both of these indices, a three-month moving average. And when you look at it that way, it's starting to look like that expectation for rising farmland values might have peaked last fall. What's your take?
1: Yeah, I think that's definitely definitely the case when you look at that three-month three, three month moving average. But one of the things that's really interesting to me here, a very obvious point perhaps, is given how large the increase has been in the last year, they're still very optimistic. I mean, I was reading something uh, today where where land values in Iowa increased 33% in the last year, 33% in one year, and they're still expecting increases, both short-term and long-term. And so that, that's truly amazing.
0: Yeah, and I think that- there's even a, a shorter term survey again i think perhaps out of iowa talking about the, just the increase in the first quarter yeah i and saw that was, too and it was a double digit increase. yeah it was like 12 percent or something right. was, like that it was double digits i don't remember the exact percentage so uh you know the farmland market is not weakening but i think people maybe are starting to think about how far we've already come yes. and asking how far can we push it going forward um So it's it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But yeah, probably one of the bigger surprises in what's going on with the Ag Economy Barometer Sentiment Survey in general is the contrast between overall sentiment and what we see on the farmland side. On the farmland side, people are reflecting, I would say, to some extent, their pocketbooks, right? I mean, that's probably really reflecting what's going on financially on the sentiment side, we're picking up a tremendous amount of concern about uncertainty. Do you agree with that? Yeah, and, and, and then also, like I said earlier, the fact that the capital
1: investment index is so low that, they're, they're, that they really don't think this is a good time to buy the machinery and the grain bins. And at the same time, are very optimistic with land values. And I think we explained why that's the
0: case, but it's just really interesting. Yeah, that, that is interesting because if you think part of our explanation on machinery was, well, I can't get a good deal. Right. You know, right, compared to history in terms of what you would normally expect. But are you getting a good deal in the land? But, yeah, you could make that same argument with respect to land values. And yet people are, are clearly more optimistic. Um, so, yeah, that's an interesting contrast there. But it's it's been consistent. Yes. It's not like this is a one month anomaly. Yeah. This
1: is six months or more. Yeah.
0: This is this has been very consistent over time. So, um, well, it's going to be interesting to see how this shakes out. Uh, For our listeners, we are going to have a separate podcast that talks about uh, what was revealed on the planning intentions report and and maybe some of the implications of that for the corn and soybean balance sheet and thinking about maybe what prospects are in terms of marketing. So you might tune into that as well. So uh, with that, that kind of wraps up our discussion today about the barometer. For more details about the Purdue CME Group Ag Economy Barometer, you can go to our website, which is purdue.edu slash agbarometer. The next Ag Economy Barometer will be released in early May. That's the first Tuesday in May, and I don't have the date in front of me, but I think it might be May 3. Um, So you can find more information and and register for all the information that we have available from the Center for Commercial Agriculture here at Purdue on our website, which is purdue.edu slash commercialag, and you can also access the barometer from that site as well. So I encourage you to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues, and on behalf of Michael Langemeyer and the Purdue University Center for Commercial Agriculture, I'm Jim Minter. Thanks for listening.